Welcome to What If. I'm your host Kareem Ostakny and today we're at the home of a good friend of mine, Stefano Gocciola. Stefano, thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Stefano is a data scientist and investor in a venture capital firm in Berlin called Redstone and has a PhD in financial computing. Stefano, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the venture capital industry. Yeah, I got I got inside that world by accident, actually. Um, I come from academia. I had a wonderful time doing a PhD on uh, questions related around the world of uh, data science and finance. I worked a lot on uh, things like how to prevent financial crisis. And that's how I fell in love with the idea of uh, changing the way we do finance. After a sprint in the world of sustainable finance, so finance to try and tackle things such as climate change, um, I got really passionate about the idea of using uh, finance to help technology, to make technology solution happen and faster. Um, a good way to start that was to do venture capital. And about three years ago, I met my amazing colleagues and I joined uh, the firm as a partner um, at Reston and three years ago. Okay, wow. But were you always, even as a kid, finance? Um, like, uh, did you always, like, even as a kid, finance? Of no, actually, no. When I was a kid, I found it really, really boring. I was more of a guy uh, looking at dinosaurs and uh, stars and galaxies. Um, I think my passion for finance and economic systems in general uh, came around at the age of, uh, of 16. Um, at the age of 16, I, um, I had an amazing teacher uh, who taught me economics. I became increasingly worried um, about the state of the world for some reason. And uh, that brought me away a bit from the world of dinosaurs and galaxies and a bit closer to the world of humans and how humans um, come and behave together. So I would say that was more, more of a teenager thing that happened, which then I... Um, further explored during my university years. Okay, and that teacher, what was his name or her name? Uh, the teacher is called Peter Howe. Um, Peter Howe, okay. Yeah. Where, where was that? Yeah, I, I had a wonderful opportunity when I was 16 to be awarded a scholarship at uh, a special network of schools called, called uh, United World Colleges. Wow. An international set of schools where you would study with amazing people from all over the world. Um, and uh, I had the you know I had the luck to have amazing teachers that came yeah. Okay, and what was so interesting or different about him that helped you to to? Well, it wasn't just him. I would say it was okay. really the, the system um, of uh, how. In which country was it? This one was in northern Italy, which oh, okay. already for me um, was already a foreign country. <laughs> because you were from? Because I'm Sicilian. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> sounds funny, uh, the, the city where I studied was uh, near Trieste, which is on the northern um, east side of Italy. And for me already, it was uh, 1,500 plus meters away from home. Where kilometers. Kilometers, yeah. sorry. Wow. Okay. <laughs> already quite, 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 uh, quite a thing for me back then. Wow. Yeah, yeah. of course. Okay. Interesting. And that passion that you develop over time, right, led you to the venture capital world? Yeah, yeah, the venture capital world for me is a chapter um, of, uh, of my, uh, let's call it, journey across, uh, across uh, the way we do finance and the way we can harness it um, to, um, uh, 
for, 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 for a better world, okay. for, a, for a better future. Wow. What are some of your topics at the moment? Uh, you mean in venture capital, what am I looking at? Yeah, I, I look at generally at things where, which are in the jargon more deep tech. Technologies, companies that are developing something with a strong IP, with a strong intellectual property, uh, that are coming out of research, that are useful mainly in the business-to-business -business space. I don't look at companies such as eBay or Facebook or Zalando. I look more at companies that are producing artificial intelligence, robotics, automation, and so on and so forth. Interesting. Okay. And what are some of your discoveries so far? Too many. Well, <laughs> one is that 99% uh, of the people who do artificial intelligence are not doing artificial intelligence, um, which is totally fine. But uh, the world of venture capital is really filled with uh, what people would call FOMO, the fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And that affects the narrative of the companies who are raising money. Um, so definitely one thing that I learned is how to distinguish um, trends, formal trends, uh, towards actually you know, between and, and actual companies uh, that are doing something in artificial intelligence. I think one, one uh, really interesting trend that is becoming quite, um, quite important, I would say, is something called edge computing which uh, belongs to the world of the Internet of Things, how machines talk to each other. Until a few years ago, it was just you and me with a computer sending emails. Now it's my fridge. Now it's uh, a robotic arm uh, building your next car. And uh, edge computing is the implementation of uh, artificial intelligence and, and various other types of software on the machine that can predict when a machine fails, for example, um, to regulate the machine and the production of that. And that belongs under the umbrella of, uh, of Industry 4.0, the next revolution of how we manufacture, we build things. Okay, understood. And um, now to go one step back on a meta level, if you look at finance, do you think finance currently with all its models, is it prepared for the future of all these technologies? I'm sure everyone has, uh, even the experts have quite different opinions on each other. The way I see finance is like having a 19th century technology in a 21st century world. It's like we're using whale oil to power our computers. Um, there are several reasons uh, for that, um, which we'll probably discuss in the next few minutes. Uh, but one key thing is uh, finance are specific ways of valuing things, so putting a price onto things. And that creates all kinds of uh, externalities, consequences that are affecting mostly in a bad way the world. Okay, understood. But what if uh finance were not existing how would you value things that's uh that's the the question for today um i mean imagine it what if you wake up one day and uh you had a pocket up, uh, with no money um you went to the store and uh, you didn't know how to buy your candies <laughs> that's definitely a really a really funny word to <laughs> live in, <true>. right <laughs> 
So I think a way to frame this question would be, what if we had to start from scratch? What if you know, we woke up that, you know, tomorrow and everybody at the same time said, okay, let's start again. How would that be? Um, it's many things. There will be several factors. Definitely the first one coming back to what I was telling before is uh, we will need a totally new way to value things. The way we value things right now um, is dictated a bit by this, this myth of, uh, of the demand and supply of things. Uh, you sell me candies, I want candies. Um, we together agree on a price on that, you know, will make you and me satisfied so that I can get my candies and you get your, your value mm-hmm. out of it, right? The thing is that you and I are just considering my benefits and your benefit, my utility and your utility. Uh, maybe candies is the, maybe this candies uh, with plastic and that plastic, I would uh, throw it away on the floor, on the ground, on the street once I had my candy. We are not incorporating, as, as many other things, in the price that you and I are making, the consequence of me throwing the plastic away, for example. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Can you also define value? What is value? What is value? Uh, <laughs> value um, is definitely just like ether, this concept the physicists had before, uh, before Newton. And uh, the word of forces is something that everybody knows is there, but we don't really uh, know how to how to frame. Uh, I guess a way simply to put it, um, we we would be wrong, but that doesn't matter. Sure. Uh, that doesn't matter for what our if own world, sake. So. Exactly, <laughs> we are we are what ifing right now. Yeah. Um, value is the kind of um, satisfaction utility that a thing, a service, a good, an action. Uh, gives to a set of actors. Those actors might be people, might be corporations, might be organizations, it might be another thing, might be an alien. But isn't it very subjective? It is very subjective. And that is why um, I, 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 for the candy example, I used you and me because uh, perhaps someone who is more addicted than me mm. to candies, and I'm very addicted, by the way. I was also uh, very addicted. Good. We can make a <laughs> little game who was more addicted. But... I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll see who wins. Anyway, um, um, you know, that person would, be, would have been willing to, pre- to, to, to give more value to the candies you're giving to them, right? Mm. So, yes, um, the beauty of value is that it's an emergent property of economic systems. It, it's not a standard, a standard number. It comes across the interaction of several agents. Right. It's you and me in this case. If you go on the stock market, the value of a stock is given by the complex interaction of traders, journalists, stakeholders, shareholders. But it is still subjective. You're completely right. And that is why it's really easy to overvalue and to undervalue something. Mm. Uh, I can give you one example. Uh, any stock which uh, has gone really, really up and, and then gone down, uh, like the, uh, the early tech companies uh, before the dot-com bubble, everybody was super excited, super excited about the internet. This is changing. I need to speculate. I need to put money on this. It would go great, right? <laughs> um, uh, sadly, that didn't happen. Why? Because we built overconfidence. We projected more value 
than uh, in reality uh, these companies were providing. And then we realized with the falling down of the stock markets and therefore of the value of those companies. So actually the subjective status of, uh, of value, uh, unescapable as it is, right. yet has immense consequences upon society. And right now it's we're trying to make it more objective, right? If we look at valuing yeah, things, I, I we wonder, can put a price on it, and yeah. that counts for everyone there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that price, um, it, it, it is still in a way subjective if you think mm, about it, degree, right? Because yeah. it's still given by the interaction of uh, several agents. Obviously, it is not volatile. You know, the price of uh, bananas in uh, in the supermarket will not change every day, right? Right. Um, but there is behind it a sort of a social contract of various economic agents around it mm -hmm. that opted for that specific price at that specific point in time. Okay, understood. But how could another way of valuing things look like? Oh, that's uh, that is the question. If I had the <laughs> actual question, I think I would have won the Nobel the Prize on, uh, for finance already. The, yeah, actual. the actual answer, yes, sorry. Um, Let's put it like this. First of all, to talk about objective value um, might be dangerous uh, because I would say value by definition as a subjective stance. But who are the subjects? Um, again, let's let's go back to the symbol of candies. I think it's pretty simple to use. Uh, we we said that the candy had plastic wrapped around it. And, uh, you know, I had my satisfaction eating that candy that you gave me and then I threw the plastic on the ground. The plastic on the ground will take centuries to, to, to dissipate. Uh, and we now know actually that it doesn't really go away. It becomes microplastics, right? And that has consequences onto the environment, onto the animals and plants who will feed upon those uh, you know, particle infested um, parts of the value chain of the food chain and then on to us again. So what we're missing there is the, let's call it quote unquote, subjective uh, stance of the environment, of uh, the environmental, in economics we would say the environmental externality of, of the plastic part of the candy. In, in what we're doing is right now in the concept of value, we're not taking into account negative externalities, negative consequences uh, of things that we buy, we consume, and we produce. A first step towards if we had to change finance starting from scratch would be to find a framework that puts um, into the equation not just the uh, subjective stance of economic agents, of uh, the basically very humans and companies and organizations, but also those stakeholders that are currently forgotten or not taken into account. Which one? Uh, it can be the environment. In one case, it can be um, societies and uh, you know segments of populations which are underrepresented economically and politically. Um, you know, there's been in the past, without naming companies, but several cases um, of um, you know, supply chain scandals, uh, companies producing clothing that uh, were, you know, uh, involved in uh, sweatshops and uh, child labor. These are economic agents. These are stakeholders that are affected by the production of the good and service that we produce, but are not accounted for, you know? 
Um, it can be, we, we spoke again about the environment, but it can be also the future itself, uh, future society, f- future uh, generations. The way we produce and consume now, oftentimes... Will have a huge effect on exactly, that. Exactly. Will, uh, will have a huge genera- generational cost. How do we value that? That is, that is the great question if I had to, to start finance again. Okay. How... How could you value that? How could I value that? Um, well, let's pretend that I'm not... Because uh, the, the interesting thing is, for example, Stefano in a week, yes. for your brain is someone external. Your brain even doesn't see yourself in the future as you. Yeah. Um, and now trying to value future society and looking at the society, how, how we currently work, is we think much more on the present than in the future. But uh, let's go a little deeper on how you would no, do it. No, no, absolutely. Uh, how would I do it? Um, there are several stances and steps that I'm, uh, I myself am sort of thinking of and experimenting with. Um, definitely one is to think of how to change the way economic agents think. That is you and I, that is corporations, that is finance uh, institution and so on and so forth. Right now, one plague that we all know is affecting all of us is, you know, you were referring to it, short-termism. The fact that you and I think about next week and not about the next 15, 50, 500 years. Um, Somehow enabling a cultural change towards long-term thinking will allow even the current economic agents that we have um, to, um, to, to, to value um, not, not just our utility now, but also our own and other people's and other actors' utility in the future. So long-term termism, embedding the way we value things and see how what we do now, what we buy and consume now affects, affects the next 100 years is, is one step. The other one, which is super interesting, a few people are already experimenting on that, is to create, to to legitimize new economic agents. Um, One amazing example, uh, which right now is no longer even a a thought experiment, is can a forest become an independent uh, economic agent? Um, The answer right now might seem to many of, of the listeners, no, because why the hell would a forest tell me or buy from me or, you know, supply me with something. There are, though, um, ways of doing so. Um, you probably heard Karim and, and listeners about smart contracts, about, sure. you know, some, some applications of, for example, blockchain, blockchain technology yeah. and, and other things. Uh, I don't want to focus on blockchain. It's, uh, sure. There are other ways of doing that. But um, you can create algorithmically ways for a forest to automatically reward uh, other economic agents, for example, people who do things that help the forest. If you take care of the forest in a certain way, if you water a tree, if you take care of a tree, you automatically reward it for taking care of that tree, right? Uh, in that way, you're making what wasn't before an economic agent an active economic agent. It sounds very interesting. I'm sure there are all kinds of uh, unintended consequences of this, uh, but uh, there are already a few people experimenting. Obviously, 
at a very smaller scale, um, the, the, the inclusion of uh, uh, non-conventional eco economic agents such as, you know, ecosystems. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That, that is, how much research have you done there? Uh, well, personally, I haven't done any academic research on that, but okay. I've been involved in working groups um, um, with, uh, with uh, quite a few people and researchers who are thinking and already doing smaller scale experiments about this. Okay. And I personally think that will be uh, something in the future. Okay. Um, it will be a matter of time, in my opinion. Okay. But from the forest, where would we go next? Mm, it could be that, that that would be exactly that would be the beauty of, of the problem. Now that we know that we can make uh, economic agents out of non-economic agents, where do we stop and where do we start? A forest might be an example, um, species of animals might be another, an entire ecosystem, not just a forest, but an entire geographical area with, with its local biosphere might be uh, another one, coral reefs, and so on and so forth. That, 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 that would be definitely uh, a way. I don't have an answer as what would be the, you know, the golden recipe to divide it up. I think there would be a discourse that you know, we as, as a society and, and the expert will have to have and see what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. My priority will be on those ecosystems that are currently suffering from uh, the negative externalities of uh, what the things we do now. Take you coral leaves. Yeah, or leaves, bees even. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, bee, oh yeah, bees is a I mean, they reduced by 75% or something the past yeah. 30 years. Yeah, it's And a without bees, one. we will have a problem. Yeah, I already miss bees. Uh, and I love honey, by the way. That's right. Um, yeah. Um, so are we trying to give voice to the ones who don't have a voice in an abstract way? In an abstract way, yeah. That, I, I think that's a, that's a good, simple way of putting it. We are giving economic power, the economic power of transmitting value um, uh, to, to agents that were not able before. And that is... That is uh, quite a good piece of innovation, if you ask me. Absolutely. In the future. I think the, the interesting question that you also said is, but who or how many people or what decides to whom we give a voice and to whom not? And that is a question I, I still want to deep digger, uh, yeah, let's deeper, dig, dig deeper um, in it, on it. To me, rather than providing the answer, I can answer the methodology that should be around it. I am a great fan of uh, the experimental method. What do I mean by that? I mean that I'm not uh, arrogant enough to say that I know how things should work. That means that I might have hypotheses, I might have ideas of how things we show, how uh, economic agents should be activated. Let's put it at that. Um, and there might be several hypotheses. We should create a portfolio of experiments where we try, for example, in, in, you know, what we're talking about right now, to activate different economic agents, forests, um, an entire biosphere, um, an entire ecosystem, and so on and so forth, and see how that works and see what are the unintended consequences, and then start from there, and then uh, you know decide, okay, this hasn't been working well, let's see why. Oh, this has worked amazingly well, can it work somewhere else, right? So to me, what, what matters right now is more the methodology rather than the answer itself. Because the answer, I'm, mm. you know, I'm, I'm just one small little brain. I'm, of course, uh, right? of course we I, I think more. we need more than, 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 than my candy-fueled uh, okay. brain, right? Um, 
But yeah, that, that's how Arisa will start. Said that, um, another tool that we have and we don't use enough is, uh, is philosophy, is ethics, is morality. Uh, people always forget that because we're always trapped in the world of scientific realism. And don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of it. You know, I, I, am an, I do that. I'm a data scientist, right? But at the same time, I still believe that we are missing out uh, of amazing insights in ethics and morality um, that probably even I or you don't know of that might inform, uh, you know, the way we could do things. Okay. Okay. How would you... I mean, we probably would need more experts on philosophy, right? I mean, Vladimir from episode four, once again, <laughs> he might have been helpful. But where would you start there? Um, I mean, I can give you one example um, uh, that, that might be interesting. You, you probably heard of John Rawls. Uh, Rawls is, um, a, I would say, a contemporary philosopher that um, jot down quite a few insights onto onto the concept of equality. And uh, he popularized the idea of the uh, the birth lottery, lottery, right? Where, you know, you and I have been born when, when, where we are by complete accident. So uh, what we have, yes, we might deserve it, but at the same time, it just happened, right? Yeah. And that justifies from, um, you know, from a moral view, the idea of, uh, uh, I want to make sure that if I were born somewhere else, I would have had uh, the same or similar opportunities, the same voice. If we put this argument onto economic agents, this will be, um, um, this will come and be uh, for you know those underprivileged, the bottom billion, uh, as often they're called, those people who are uh, taking on their shoulders the negative externalities of the current economy, right? So that gives you obviously an ethical basis to uh, to to give more voice to uh, in this case population and uh, uh, parts of the po human population right now in the world that are suffering from the way we buy things and we we, we build things for example that's one way uh, there are other philosophers in environment and ethics that uh, maybe i'm not the expert we need to find one for uh, another episode that might provide more insight on that but that's definitely one thing yeah okay uh, can you dig also a little deeper on the methodology that you mentioned you mean uh, on uh, on how it could be yeah yeah absolutely um we live in a world of uncertainty we don't know what happens in the future uh given that we live in this um, epistemic uncertainty um um, in order to try and control and to make things happen in the future, we need to try several things, see what works and go forward with that, right? The scientific method applied onto this case is a way to cope with the uncertainty of how um, another finance can work. We, we know what's wrong right now. We have a, a few ideas, not one, but a few ideas of what we could change. Let's say activate new economic agents, um, new ways of doing stock markets, new kinds of doing investments, new criteria, and so on and so forth, rather than building a strong argument uh, just for one of these methods, just one of the schools of thought and say, hey, this is the one, let's go for it. Uh, given the uncertainty, I'm more of a fan of 
um, testing at the same time several potential solutions, maybe on a smaller scale, see what works, obtaining more information about the world, and then go forward with those solutions, with those hypotheses, with those ideas that uh, seem to be working. Um, in finance, I can give you already a few examples. Back in 2010, um, something called uh, social impact bonds uh, was created in the UK. It, uh, I'm not going further perhaps now, but it's essentially a new financial instrument that uh, allows the, the use of capital for activities that uh, have, have an impact on society, right? Um, it started as one, seems to be working not on everything, but on specific cases with some criteria, right? And now it's, been, it's quite widespread. People, even conventional financial institutions together with governments are using it in order to tackle specific um, social issues through finance. And that is very interesting. Again, the social impact bond is not something that uh, is totally uh, solving all is wrong in finance, quite the opposite. You know, there's so much going on there, but we discovered by testing, by trying, that it works at least on some aspects, on some issues, right? And that is why many people are now working on it. Understood, okay. Do you think a good starting point for that would be if we would spend like a weekend, for example, get people from very diverse industries and fields together and discuss this topic? Yeah, um, I'm actually a great fan of it. Um, and uh, if anyone wants to take part of it, let me know, because I'm thinking of organizing sort of a weekend like that. Um, uh, we need... And you're also a good cook that should be awesome. Oh, yes, I am a great cook, uh, especially when it comes to pizza and pasta, stereotypically speaking. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so if anybody wants food, come to me. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, again, uh, um, I think this the, 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 the problem of change in the way we do finance is so big that we need not just of the minds of people, a bit like me, who have thought of it for quite a while. We're not from the finance. Exactly. We need people who really think in a different way. We need people who look at the world in a different way. From artists and designers to sci-fi writers to um, psychologists to, to physicists, right? Um, I, uh, it's impossible to discard uh, those kind of minds when you want to change basically the most important social institution we currently have in, in the history of civilization because those can bring ideas that, you know, someone like me um, hasn't thought of. Okay. Um, so two things. Do you think the value of diversity is becoming more important in the future? Um, diversity, I'm a great fan of diversity, whatever the connotation. Okay. Um, diversity brings um, more ways of coping with uncertainty. We see that, and it's beautiful, you see that from biology, um, a species with, uh, with each individual having uh, you know, quite different DNA, despite being a different species, is more resistant to bacteria and antibodies. A society with a very diverse set of ideas, ways to communicate, ways to uh, structure economics uh, and, and, and to express themselves as better chances of being resilient to whatever horrible things may or may not happen in the future. Mm, understood. 
And um, let's imagine now that we brought voice to the ones who don't have a voice. Mm. We decided to whom we give it. How would you go from there? So you are assuming that we already knew of a way to identify those voices, mm -hmm. which, which is true, I think, at least when it comes to human beings, right? Sure. How do we go from there? Um, the, well, first of all, something that is happening already is to um, uh, measure that. Just measuring it makes it visible. We currently have a list for, um, uh, the, for public, publicly listed companies, uh, ways to go deep and investigate how the supply chains are, um, um, happen to, to come into being, right? And if, if we see as, as consumers that something is going wrong with them multinational because they're using child labor, um, or they're using a very shady supplier or and so on and so forth, just by the fact that we can see and measure that, so measure, measuring the negative externality of what a company does, for example, makes already a difference. So it's amazing how this is happening. And you see now a totally a new wave of sustainability finance in the stock markets, which is very recent. I would argue it became into, the, into light only in the last five years. After that, um, what comes? It comes two thing, things. The fact that we make something invisible visible will force uh, this kind of companies to change their behavior because they want still to be uh, palatable, um, uh, attractive to, to, to their investors. And if you don't like them, then we have a problem, right? That's definitely one thing. So changing that already changes incentive. And the other thing is to um, develop uh, financial instruments that make those underserved, underprivileged, unseen part of the population visible. Social impact bonds are away. Um, there are other kinds of financial instruments that have happened in the past. Uh, and there's also more inclusion then, right? Yeah, exactly. More inclusion and uh, a better way to distribute um, wealth as well. That would be pretty ideal. Okay. And a more sustainable way, probably. Yeah. Well, by sustainable, um, we, we mean many things. Uh, from the environmental sustainability, uh, that's something that we should care about a little more, um, to the human sustainability. We, we should not forget that it's not sustainable that, you know, uh, someone works 12 hours in an investment bank uh, because that will affect the quality of life. So I really like and, and would invite everyone to think of sustainability from the more, let's say, currently conventional environmental perspective to your own self, your own ego. Mm -hmm. We are not living uh, sustainably uh, with, with, each, with each other, with our own selves. Right, right. Okay, understood. And uh, I think you already mentioned why it's also not about only the how, but why it's important that we discuss this topic, right? Yeah. Yeah, the why, um, again, is... Um, my perception again is we are using a wave to share value a way to to do finance that is becoming obsolete in the world that it is now we have a world that is more connected that has many more opportunities but at the same time many many more risks which are affecting not just one nation 
not just one town, the entire globe at the same time. And to me, it's a matter of uh, existential risk, a matter of uh, really ensuring that humanity uh, keeps sticking around in the next 1,000 years to try and rethink the way we measure and the way we channel value around. Um, our last question is usually for anyone who wants to spend more time thinking about this question yes. on how to value things that finance wouldn't exist or if we would build from scratch. Um, what do they have to do to think about this topic in, in 10% more and 10 times more? Um, I would say 10 times more. Um, we should be a little more conscious and, and think a little more of uh, what we consume and how we consume. Um, we don't have a lot of power as, as me, Stefano and you, Karim, when we buy the candy. But, you know, if uh, a few more than people than you and I think about, oh, wow, that candy maybe uh, hasn't been produced sustainably, right? And you reduce the demand for it, you know, things will change. Um, and we see already, at least in some parts of, parts of the world, you see uh, more people deciding to discard meat because of, uh, of emissions, right? That's a very interesting trend that I did not expect, for example, um, but it's an example of it. So that's really, I would say, I invite you all to be 10 times more, um, uh, more, more conscious about what you consume. 10% more, I would say, read. 10% more about philosophy, uh, read 10% more about ethics, uh, read 10% more about uh, uh, something called complex systems, the study of how anything from biology to, to finance actually comes into place and, and, and exists. These are very hard topics, at least on, on paper, it might seem, but uh, to, to, to challenge your own thoughts with uh, this might be quite interesting. Stefano, thank you so much for your time and your hospitality. Thank you also for the tea. And You're welcome. <laughs> no uh, pasta for you, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, okay. I'm still uh, enjoying the keto, but from time to time I have pasta, so next yes. time I will come. Please. Uh, I think it's very fascinating to, to look at you and the way you tackle absolutely complex problems. And always I feel with you that fair play is a motivation for you that is very deeply rooted in you and i very much hope that just continue working on that and we all will help you on your mission for Thank a you. more sustainable way of Thank you. Finance. let's uh, let's all help each other it's uh it's uh it's about humanity as a whole as a whole right and uh let's make it awesome thank you karim yeah thank you and for the listeners just as a side note um, I'm always working on improving the sound, so I, I will spend more time, for, especially for 2020, on sound. Uh, but uh, so far, thank you for staying with the community and uh, speak soon. Bye-bye.